Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number five. We've discussed over the past few weeks the different qualities and the different advantages that a person has when they live with Simha in their lives. We've discussed that Simha brings energy, that Simha brings people together, that Simha is the We'll call it the opposite of hatred. It's the source, lack of simha is the source of hatred. Amongst many other things. Today will be the final class to discuss this portion, which is again, we're trying to see the value of simha. A person without simha, very often, loses belief in themselves. And they go into a state, what we call in Hebrew, of Yeush. The word Yeush means someone who is in despair. Basically translated, it means someone who lost hope in accomplishing something specific or accomplishing in general altogether. A person who is meyuash, who is in despair, stops believing in themselves, stops believing in their ability to succeed, loses their energy as a result, and is actually one of the biggest weapons of the Yetzer Hara. A person who is in this state can very easily lose this world and the next world. A person in this state can damage himself and others. A person who is in this state can do anything. The most unimaginable act can happen from a person who is meyuash. The truth is we could sit here for hours and we will not be able to describe properly the amount of damage that this person can cause. In fact, our rabbis tell us that there are 50 levels of tum'ah. I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like it's not an all or nothing where you either holy or tameh. It sounds like there's the top and then there is levels. And our rabbis tell us in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, our ancestors reached the 49th level of Tum'ah, which I guess is right there at the end. And they ask, what is the 50th level? Like, what's there? 
What kind of person would you meet on the 50th level? What do they look like? What are they doing? What are they talking about? If you reach the 50th level, you're done. What's going on there? <laughs> so they say that the 50th level of Tum'ah, you'll find people who have given up hope. People who are living with Yehush in despair. That is the biggest Tum'ah that a person can reach. The Gemara says in Masechet Berachot, Amar Rav, Yetzer Hara, Dome Lezebub. The Yetzer Hara is compared to a fly. I guess it's like a fly. The fly keeps coming back no matter how many times you shoo it away. It comes right back. It has no busha. doesn't give up. The Yetzirah is like a Zebub. Ve'yoshev, says the Gemara, and he sits. Ben shene maftehe halev. He sits between the two keys of the heart, the two openings of the heart. What does that mean? The Hafez Haim explains that the Yetzirah has two tactics to destroy a person. Extreme opposites. One tactic we're very much aware of. Where the Yetzirah inflates the ego of the person. He tells him, you, you know how smart you are? You know how brilliant you are? The ideas you come up with, there's very few people like you. You need to show people who you are. You need to make sure you hold yourself in very high esteem. Don't talk to regular people. They're not on your level. You're a big hacham. You're very smart. You're a big rabbi. You're a very successful businessman. And he takes a regular person who used to love people, be around people, was a humble person, and he inflates his ego to the point where there's not enough kavod, there's not enough honor in the world to satiate him. Which of course brings fighting, it brings mahloket, it brings anger. Very possible that the person will break up with his partners because of it. Marriages have been destroyed because of it. And as we know, the rest is history. That's one type of Yetzahara. The other type of Yetzahara says the Hafez Haim. Is when a person comes, when the Yetzirah comes to a person and says, You're trying to grow? Are you going to pray now? You think your prayer means anything? Look at you. You don't even know what you're saying. Your kavana, it lasts for three seconds. You can't even concentrate for 10 seconds. You're going to learn now? Oh, wow. You're going to be the Gadol Hador. You're going to be like from the giants of the generation. You don't understand anything. What is going to be of you? Why would you waste your time in trying to learn? You're going to be something in your life. You're going to make it somewhere. 
You're not capable. It's way beyond you. Didn't you try last month? It didn't work out for you. You're not capable of rising, of whether it's growth in religion, or it's growth in midot, or it's growth in lashon hara. How many people actually believe that they can conquer this avera of lashon hara? I think very few. And that's exactly why we don't conquer it. Because we don't really believe that we could. And who is talking to us? We have part of our Yetzirah is telling you, you really can't do this. You can't be different than you are today. Are you kidding? How are you going to deal with your friends? How are you going to deal with your mother? How are you going to deal with your family? You have so many habits, you're going to break them? You really believe you could stop doing something or start doing something that you're not used to doing? You've been doing it this way for so long. That's the other kind of Yetzirah. So one Yetzirah is to make you feel like you're so hashub that nobody can talk to you. You're so important that nobody's on your level. And the other Yetzirah tells you, you're nobody. You can't make it. Not in business, not in Torah, not in tefillah, not in anything. You're a nobody. And you're going to be a nobody for the rest of your life. Adam Arishon, he eats from the fruit that Hashem told him not to eat from. Hashem doesn't come and tell him you're guilty. He gives him a chance. Because Hashem doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knows that we're human and that we can make mistakes and that we have battles within ourselves. Perfection is not necessarily the expectation. So Hashem comes to him and says, Adam, did you eat from the tree? Hamin ha'etz asher tziviticha lebilti achol mimenu achalta? Did you eat from that tree? All Hashem wanted Adam to do was say, Yes, I did. My mistake, my bad. Adam has a different answer. We know the famous answer of Adam. He says to Hashem, Ha'isha, yes, I ate, but what should I do? Ha'isha asher natata imadi, he natna It's the woman that you gave me. You made the shiduch. What should I do? She gave me from the fruit and I ate. But the word he uses is a very strange word that the Midrash picks up on. He tells him, the woman that you gave me, he natna li min ha'etz, she gave me from the tree, ba'ochel. Ba'ochel means, and I ate. The Midrash says, ba'ochel? What kind of Hebrew is that? That's not how you talk. Says the Midrash, it should say, ve'achalti. And I ate, says Amarabi Abba Bar Kahana, Ve'achalti en ketivkan. It doesn't say, and I ate. Ela va'ochel. Says the Midrash, what does Adam mean when he tells Hashem va'ochel? 
He's telling him, Achalti, not only did I eat, you're right, I ate. Va'ochel, I'm going to eat again. That's a little bit of a rough answer. Wow, it's one thing you get caught and you say, I did it. But then you say, not only did I do it, I'm going to do it again. Seems like Adam was being hatsuf, chutzpah, the way he speaks to Hashem. Could it be that this is Adam Arishon talking to the creator of the world? Adam Arishon was not a simple human being. He was a great man. Hashem created him pure. Could it be that's the way he spoke to his creator? And the Mefarshim explained that actually Adam wasn't trying to be Hatsuf. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful. Adam was a man who was mityaesh, a man who had yeush. He was a man who was in despair. He says to Bore Olam, so you created me, the world was pure, I was pure. I had no yetzerara, and yet, I still ate. What possibility exists going forward? After now, I became Tameh. I made the world Tameh. Now I brought Yetzirah inside of me. What chances are there that I would be able to not eat now? If when I was so great, I did it. How would I expect to do the right thing now? Valchel wasn't a man who was trying to be disrespectful. It was a man who was mityaish. He said, I don't think I could do this. This was also the reaction of Cain. When Hashem did not accept Cain's korban, the Pasuk says, Vayihar le Cain me'od, he was very upset, Vayipelu panav, his face fell. What that means when your face falls, usually in life, the face is up because we're looking forward to something. We want to get somewhere. When your face falls, it means you have nothing to look forward to. Vayipelu panav means he gave up. Hashem tells Cain, Lama haralach velama naflu panecha. Why are you falling apart. Why are you mityaesh? Why are you losing hope? Halo imtetiv se'et. The reason why something wrong happened is because you did something wrong, but you're in control. You know, when you're, when you're in despair, you feel life is not in your hands. You feel like Things are happening to you that you can't control. You're doing the wrong things which you can't control. Hashem tells Cain, you're making a mistake. You're getting down about something that happened, but it's not happening. It's happening because you did it. Halo imtetiv, if you do better, se'et, you will rise. You will be better than you are today. Put your head up, keep moving. It's okay, you fell. But don't put your head down. 
In Parashat Kitavo, we have the curses. 98 curses there are. One of the curses it says, Ufahata Laila Vayom. A person could be scared. Anxiety. Laila Vayom. Day and night. Velo Ta'amin Behayecha. And you will not believe in yourself. That is considered a curse. If a person walks around feeling that they can't do something, that is considered a kelala. Despair, yeush, is extremely destructive. There is a famous halakha that every young boy learns when they're starting to learn Gemara. It's in Masechet Baba Metzi'ah. Perek Elu Metzi'ot that talks about the halakha of returning lost objects. As you know, the Torah commands us that when we find the lost object, we're not allowed to keep, find this keeper. It doesn't work like that in, Ju- in Judaism. If you find a lost object, you are obligated to give it back to its owner. But there are so many rules. One of the rules is that if the person gave up hope, if the owner gave up hope, let's say the owner, let's say a guy lost a beautiful Rolex watch. And he's looking and he's looking and he's looking and you find it. You'd like to keep it, but you can't. Because the Torah says you must give it back. That's the halakha. What if you heard, before you picked it up, that the person who was looking for it was telling his friend, you know something? Forget it. I'm never going to find it. I'm going to get another one. That's called yeush. The guy would still love to have it. But he doesn't think that he's ever going to find it. The halakha says, if you know that the person gave up hope, you could pick up the watch and keep it. You don't have to give it to him. It might be a nice thing to do. Probably you should give it back to him. From the kindness of your heart, that's a hasad that you'll do. But from the halakha, you don't have to give it to him. Why? It's his. Well, let's ask another question. How come when someone loses an object, what is it about the object that's called his? In what way is it his? He can't sell it, because he doesn't know where it is. He can't give it to the Beta Migdash as a gift, because he can't donate it. He doesn't have it. So in what way is a lost object, something that I lost, in what way is it mine? The answer is that so long as you have hope that you can find the item, so there's still a connection to you and it's called yours. The minute you give up hope, you've cut the cord. You no longer have hope, you no longer have a connection to your item. Says one of the great rabbis, that's how it works in life. 
It's not only a halakha by lost objects. It's a halakha in life. If there is something that you want to reach, is as long as you think that you can reach it, then you can. But the moment you stop believing in yourself, the moment you say to yourself, forget it, I can't do this, impossible. The minute you feel that way is the minute that you lose all possibilities of actually reaching it. Life is not a place where you just go and succeed. In fact, there's probably not a story of success in life without many failures. The train to success always goes down. The people who get off are unfortunate because they never get to go up. Like the Pasuk says, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam. A great person falls down seven times. It means many times, not only seven. Vakam and he gets up. Rav Hutner Alava Shalom says, the fools, he calls them, when they see this pasuk, they explain it like this. They say it means that a great person, even if they fall down many times, they still get up. Says Rav Hutner, no. That's not what it means. It means that to be a great person, you have to fall. Falling is a part of success. A person tries and fails, tries and fails in any area, spiritual, monetary, family, marriage, with children. You try and you fail. You try and you fail. You try and you fail and you say to yourself, you know something? I think this is not going to work. But you're making a mistake because you're learning from your failures that it's not going to happen. But says Shalomu HaMelech, it's not that way. Because the road to actually succeed in your marriage or with your children or in Torah, in business, in anything, is actually down. You're actually in the right place. Imagine someone told you, before the train goes up, it goes down. You expect it. You don't stop. You don't give up. Says Shalomo Melech, the road to greatness always goes down. Foolish is the person who's mityaesh. They're having a hard time, a hard day, a hard week in their marriage, a hard week with their children, or a hard year with their children, a hard time in business, a hard time in their growth. They're trying to grow, they're trying and they just can't get it together. Every time they get up two steps, they fall down five. And they try again, and they fall again, and they try again, and they fall again. Welcome to the world. This is the world. The world is not a place where you just go up. In fact, I think if you ask any successful businessman about their 
history in their business, they'll probably always tell you a story of how they almost went bankrupt. How almost they gave up because it wasn't happening. Every guy will tell you a story. How it could have not happened. And then they just stuck with it. It never happened that someone just goes up. It's not like that. It's not like that in anything. You know what's the first example of failure? The Pasuk says, Vayar Elohim et kol asher asa. When Hashem made the world in six days, He finished final product. Imagine there was nothing here. He made a gorgeous world. A beautiful world. In so many ways beautiful. Hashem looked at everything that he, that he made. Vehine, and behold, lo and behold, tov meot. It's very good. Hashem says, wow. Hazaku baruch. Great job. That's a beautiful creation that you made. Sometimes you have to pat yourself on the back. Too. Good job. You made a nice dinner. You brought up your children beautifully. You'll have to pat yourself on the back sometimes. Good job. Keep going. But the Midrash is very much bothered by the word Vehine. Vehine means lo and behold. As if, surprise. Vehine tov meot. Says the Midrash, what does that mean? Says the Midrash, Rabbi Tanhuma Patah. He says, Mikan Shehakadosh Baruchu Haya Bore Olamot Umaharivan. Hashem created worlds. He looked at them and said, No, not it. He destroyed them. Bore Olamot Umaharivan. He kept creating. He looked at the product and says, Uh uh, no good. Next one. Until he created the world that we live in. Amar, he says, this, These are good. Lo and behold, this one is good. The ones before were no good. Now you read this Midrash and you say to yourself, Come on, this is ridiculous. How could that be? That we could fail and fail, and fail, is very possible. It happens every day. The creator of the world on whom it said is shalem, is perfect. How can we even fathom such a concept that Hashem created a world, looked at it and says, I don't like it. It's not so good. Let's try again. How could the perfect creator make anything less than perfect? And the simple answer to this question is that of course Hashem is perfect. And of course He can make it right the first time. But Hashem wanted to give me and you a message for life that no matter who you are, you could be the creator of the world, just like me. Guess what Hashem says? I made a mistake. Of course, His mistake was voluntary. Our mistakes aren't. But the idea 
is that no matter who you are, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail in life. Could you imagine building a building from bottom to the top, a hundred floors, and looking at it and saying, it's not so good. And you bring it down to the ground. How disappointed would you be that you had a project like that for so many years that you're working. You put all your energy and you see it's not good. That's Hashem built an entire world, not just this planet, Olamot. He built the entire world and all that's in it and says, no, forget it. Not good. Not what I'm looking for. But guess what he did? He did it again. He tried again. Because success hardly happens on the first try. Greatness hardly takes place at the beginning. Hashem says, look at me. Whenever you fail in life in anything, just look at me. Look at the world that you're living in. It was a product of again and again and again. Sheva Yipol Sadiq Vakan could be said even on Hashem Himself. It says, after Adam and Hava sinned, the Pasuk says, Vayas Adonai Elohim Adam Ul Ishto. He made for Adam and his wife Kotnot Or. He made them clothing made out of leather. The word Or is with a Ain. Says the Targum on this Pasuk, what do we care if it was leather? What do we care if it was wool? Why does it matter to us what kind of clothing he made them? Nothing changed in my life or your life if you knew if it was leather or not. Says the Targum, there is something here about the word Or. Says the Targum, when Hashem made for Adam and his wife, he made Levushim Deyekar, which means he made them prestigious clothing. That's what it means, Or. Or, maybe Milashon, or something that was special. He made them clothing fit for a prince, for a melech. He made them not just regular clothing, but something really nice. He went shopping on Fifth Avenue. He went to the top stores. He wanted to make sure he got all the top brand names to make sure to give Adam and Hava. He didn't just make them a simple piece of clothing. Says the, says the Targum, Levushin de Yekar. Clothing of prestige. Why would he make them clothing of prestige? They just destroyed the world. They brought death onto humanity. They took a pure world and tainted it. They did the unimaginable. Could you imagine your child or your student does something terrible, destroys your home. So you go shopping in the nicest store around to buy them beautiful clothing. Why would Hashem give them clothing of prestige? And the answer is, because it was a message to them. Yes, you messed up. Yes, you destroyed tremendously in the last few hours. But you're special. 
Don't forget that you're special. Don't forget that you have so much that you can accomplish. Don't look back and say, look what I did. Look how I messed up. How can I ever go back to be anything after what I said, after what I did, after, forget it. Hashem says you're precious, you are beautiful, you are great. What happened, happened in the past, you're right. It was a terrible mistake. But pick your heads up, keep going forward. You have a lot to do, you have a lot to accomplish. Because if you don't pick your head up and you leave your head down, the ramifications are disastrous. You're having a hard day, a hard week, and you just put your head down and you give up. You give up on your children, you give up on yourself, you give up on your husband, you give up on your anything that you're doing. What's going to happen when you give up? And there are times in life, we all know those times that come, and you just want to give up. You just feel it's over. I can't. I have no more strength, not emotional strength, no more physical strength. I can't do it anymore. I just gotta give up. I'm done. You should read the story of Ruth and Orpah. Ruth and Orpah were two princesses who came from wealth, who came from a palace, who came from power, they had their life on easy streets. Everything they could have wanted. And then they were inspired. I don't know exactly how or what, but they ended up marrying the sons of Naomi. This woman that came from a foreign land, from Eretz Israel to Moab. And after they both died, they stuck with her. This woman had nothing, zero. She had no husband, she had no children, she had no money. And she's going back to Eretz Israel. And they want to come with her. They want to join her. And Naomi looks at them and says, girls, Ladies, go home to your mothers. He says, what are you doing with me? Why would you go with me? Do I have any more children for you? She says, Please go back. I'm a person who is living a difficult life. She tries to convince them. Go home. What are you, you going to do in Eretz Yisrael? You have everything waiting for you here. And they're struggling. Ruth and Orpah struggling. Could you imagine the choice? Comfort, wealth, everything that you want, right here. It's right here. You go with Naomi. Yes, you're inspired to be a Jew. Yes, 
you feel there's so much to grow and so much to do and so much to gain. But going to a foreign country, it's a struggle. The Pasuk says, Vatishak orpa lahamota verut davkaba. Which means that orpa, she couldn't. She's fighting, fighting, fighting with herself. She said, I can't. She kissed her goodbye. And Ruth, she stuck to her. She said, I'm not leaving you. She tells her, Altif Do not pressure me to leave you. Ki el asher elech. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you sleep, I sleep. Your God is my God. There's no shot. I'm going to give up. I know it's hard. I know what you're saying. I know it's going to be an uphill battle. I got it. But I'm not giving up. I am with you all the way. Orpa didn't have the strength to do the same. That's the end of the story in Megillat Rut. But the Midrash tells us there's an ending to the story. Says the Midrash, that night, that night, Orpah did some of the worst acts. And from her came one of the biggest Reshaim, his name was Goliath. How could it be that Orpah is struggling to do something so difficult? And she was almost there. She's right there with Ruth. Ruth is the mother of Mashiach. Ruth is the grandmother of David Melech. Ruth goes down in history as one of the greatest humans that ever stepped on the planet. The difference between Ruth and Orpah was you couldn't tell a difference. Until the last minute where Ruth stayed, she hung on and Orpah left. How could it be that that night our path turns from the most righteous woman like Ruth to become from the lowest of the low? How could that be? The answer is Yeush. You know, when you're fighting for something and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and you fall, you put your head down. When you put your head down and you lose hope, then there's no bottom to where you can go. A person in despair can end up anywhere, could do anything. You know, the Ramban, Allah Shalom, struggles very much. It's good for one to read this. It's a Ramban in Parashat Shelah. It's good reading. Ramban struggles very much to try to understand what the Meraglim did that was so bad. What did the spies do that was so bad? You know, we look at the story of the spies, Tisha B'Av, it was a terrible historical moment for the Jewish people. It began so many tragedies over the years. We take it as for granted that was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. 
when Am Yisrael sent the spies and they came back with a report about what they saw in Eretz Yisrael, the people started crying. It was a whole disaster. But the Ramban, believe it or not, struggles very much to understand what the sin was. He doesn't know what the sin was. He has no idea. He's looking at the Pesukim in the Torah and he can't find the sin. He says, what was the sin? He says, remember, when Moshe Rabbeinu sent them, he told them, go check the land and come back and report to us what you see. Do you see powerful nations or do you see weak nations? Do you see fortified cities? Do you see open cities? What kind of perot they have over there? What kind of people are there? They weren't going for a tour of Eretz Israel. They were going to bring back information. And when they came back, that's exactly what they said. By the way, they were never accused of lying. They brought back perot. They said this land, Zabat Halavudbashi. It, indeed, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. They said the people there, they were giants. They were giants there. So they said, gedolot me'od. Very strong, powerful cities. They listed everything that they saw. They were not lying. Says the Ramban, what did they do wrong? They went to see, they saw, they came back, and they told the people exactly what they saw. Isn't that what they were sent to do? Says the Ramban, I don't understand. It's a long Ramban. Worthwhile to read it. After back and forth, back and forth, says the Ramban, Allah Shalom, he says he got it. So I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Reading the whole parasha, there's nothing wrong. All good. They were sent, they came back, beautiful. Nothing wrong. He says, but there was one word that they said that was the destruction. Imagine one word. What was the one word? What could be? They told them, Yes, this land is flowing with milk and honey. They even brought a fruit back to show them. Ephes. Ephes means, but. That's what it means, but. Ki az ha'am ha'yoshev ba'aretz. Az means they're tough. Got tough people there. They were tough. Says the Ramban, Ma pish'am ma hatatam. Says the Ramban, when they said the word Ephes. The word Ephes, says the Ramban, means, Shehi mora al davar Ephes, venimna min ha'adam. When you tell someone Ephes, it means you cannot do it. Not just the people are strong, are tough. Ephes, Ephes means zero. Means you have no shot at winning this battle. There is no way that you can conquer this land. That's what Ramban says. Aval Rish'am Bemilat Ephes. 
That means that the Miraglim's sin and that disaster that happened was for one reason. Because they lost hope. Not in themselves. They lost hope in others. When you lose hope in somebody else and you voice that to them, you destroy that person. You tell someone, oh, you can't do it. Nah, impossible. You can never do that. Or you give the feeling that you can't do it. You're destroying them. The Miraglim destroyed our people. Why? Because they told them you can't do it. How come they thought they can't do it? Don't they know Hashem runs the world? Hashem just split the sea for them. Hashem can't help them with a rough nation? The answer is that of course Hashem could help them. But for Hashem to help you, you have to have zechut, you have to have merit. They told the people, you guys, all you do is mess up. A few days after Matan Torah, you're already making an Egel. Hashem gives you the man, you're complaining. By the Yamsuf, you're complaining. You want meat in the desert. Forget about it. You guys, impossible. Of course Hashem could help. But why would He help you? Especially in Eretz Yisrael. It says, Eretz Ochelet Yosheveha. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. What does that mean? It means that living in Israel is like living in the palace of the king. When you live in the palace of the king, you better be on your best behavior. You want to live somewhere in the farm where the king doesn't see you and do whatever you want? You could do that. But in the palace, in front of the police department, you better behave. When you're far away, nobody's looking. They told them, here in the desert, we're just making it. You're going to go to Eretz Israel, which is the palace of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you're going to continue to act like this? There is no shot. The land itself will devour you. That means, it's not that they didn't believe in their physical strength. They didn't believe they were capable of rising spiritually, which would mean that Hashem is not going to help you. Now, the other Miraglim said, no, 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 what do you mean? Just don't rebel against Hashem. Hashem doesn't expect us to be perfect. Just don't rebel, just keep trying. Hashem will help you. Hashem will help us. The Sfat Emet says, Beautifully, a very famous Sfat Emet, he says that when they reported to them, they told them, Besham ra'inu Over there we saw the giants. We felt like grasshoppers in front of them. So the Sfat Emet says, when a person feels like a grasshopper, he becomes like a grasshopper. When a person feels like a zero, he loses all his ability to do something that he can actually rise above himself. We limit ourselves. The only one who limits our strength is us. Where do you think you can reach? That's where you can reach. And if you lower your expectation, you won't make it. 
Every Jew must read the following words of Rabbi Tzadok HaKohen. While this class is Shaveh Lechol Nefesh, anybody close to this class, all humans can benefit from realizing that their success in their life or failure has very much to do with how much they believe in themselves in any area. But when it comes to Am Yisrael, there's something special that all of us must know. And nowhere better than to read the words of Rabbi Tzadok HaKohen Milublin. Listen to these words. He says, En la Yehudi mishum davar. He says, a Jew, a Yehudi, cannot give up in any situation. Ben be'inyane haguf, whether it's physical issues that we're dealing with, ben be'inyane nefesh, or it's spiritual things that we're dealing with. We struggle in life. Sometimes health struggles. Sometimes marriage struggles. And then we need to get married. Sometimes our children need to get married. Sometimes with children. Sometimes with having children. Sometimes with parnasa. Sometimes with so many things that sometimes we get overwhelmed with. That's called enyaneha guf. En la yehudi While others might give up hope, but a Yehudi can't. And not be'inyaneha nefesh. Not spiritually either. How many people have tried to grow and just doesn't go? You try and then you fall and it's so hard and you go and you try again. He says, a Yehudi can't give up hope. Ki en, listen to these words. Ki en yeush klal etzel ish Yehudi. Now, what, what is he saying? There's no Yehush by an Ish Yehudi. So luckily later on he explains. He says, that we Am Yisrael have this strength from our birth as a nation. Just think for a moment about his words and how true they are. Think about a nation that's been running for 2,000 years with their backs against the wall. Hatred, holocausts, all different small and large destructions. Everywhere we went, there's been difficulties. And even when it was peaceful, it wasn't peaceful like a regular peaceful. It was peaceful with... You have to always watch your back. You have to make sure that you keep yourself quiet, hidden. You see some of the old synagogues, they're hidden. They don't, no, one, no one should see them. This is the story of our people. We're running from place to place. A hundred years ago, the people in this room, there probably wasn't one ancestor from the people in this room that live in this country. Each one has their story, where they went, where they ended up, how many roads they took to get here today. And in a hundred years from now, who knows where things will be. That's been the story for 2,000 years. 
what are the chances that a nation with their back against the wall is still practicing Judaism, is still strong and looking up, is still accomplishing in any area, in every area in life. You still hear about the Yehudi. You're still shocked by what the Yehudi is accomplishing. What are the odds that this can actually happen? Our whole history is basically one story after another of hopeless situations that somehow turned out to be a great light, a great order. Says Rebid Sadok, the building blocks of this nation was built on hope. He says, Avraham Sarah Zekenim. You ever wonder, our imahot were all barren? A barren woman is not having a hard time having children. A barren woman cannot have children. Sarah Imenu, till the age of 90, has no child because she can't have a child. Rivka, same. Leah, Rahel, same. From all the people in humanity, Hashem only chose these great mothers, the foundation of our people, my great-grandmother and your great-grandmother, Rahel Imenu needs to be barren. Sarah Imenu, out of all people, needs to struggle with bringing a child into the world. And after all, she only brought one. All, imagine in her time, every single lady is having five, six, eight, ten. And Sarah can have a child. Says Rabbi Sadok. That this was exactly the goal. To produce in the DNA of our people that you never give up hope. Let me tell you something. If we gave up hope, there would be no Am Yisrael. There would be no child called Yitzhak. There would be no nation. Our nation was born from hope. Our nation was born from situations that everyone would say is impossible. And then the birth came. That became part of our DNA. That means as a Yehudi, we have one up on everybody else. There's something in our DNA that gives us strength in the most difficult times. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what struggles you have, if you're a Yehudi, and la Yehudi Yehushklal, there is no way to give up if you're a Yehudi. Only when you look around you from the other nations, maybe you'll learn from them. But a Yehudi never gives up. It's part of our core DNA, which was produced all the way back from the nation's start. Look at the story of Abraham and Lot. You know, we read the story, I have no idea. Lot is in the middle of a world war. The world war, the top two powers in the world, and all their friends are fighting each other. 
Could you imagine half the world is fighting with the other half of the world? And Lot gets captured. Okay. Your nephew gets, imagine you heard, imagine you heard that your nephew, who you love so much, was taken into captivity in World War II while the world is happening. So what are you going to do? What could you do? You could pray, you could give tzedakah, you could make a phone call, send a telegram, go pressure maybe your senator or your congressman. What could you do? You know what Abraham does? It's, it's, it's wild. Abraham goes to war. Abraham actually thinks that he can get involved in a world war and beat these people and bring Lot back. What is wrong with this man? What is he thinking? That is the makeup of our people. Our history from the beginning are people who don't give up. No matter what is going on, you're going to do the best that you can. You don't put your head down. You raise your head and you say, I'm going to give it my all. Abraham goes to fight fight for Lot. You know, one of the biggest questions, people don't even know this. If I asked you, why do we celebrate a Lag Baalman? Everyone knows Lag Baalman. It's a great day. After 30 days of Avelut, finally we get a little, get out a little bit, a little music, a little simha. If someone were to ask you, why is Lag Baomer special? What would you tell them? So I'm going to tell you what it says. Here's the story. I'm sure part of the story you all know. Maybe other parts you don't. The Gemara says in Masechet Devamot, very famous story, the Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva, he had 24,000 students. Can't even imagine what that is. Today the biggest yeshiva in the world has maybe 8,000 students, which is, even that's hard to imagine. 24,000 students. Let's think about that for a minute. They all died during this time period between Pesach and Shavuot, the same year. 24,000. That's almost a thousand a day. Could you imagine? Today, God forbid somebody passes away that we know. One person, we, we, we think about one tragedy, we're reeling for three days. Could you imagine waking up one morning? 1,000. 1,000 who? 1,000 from the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva. Next day, another 1,000. Another 1,000. 24,000 students died in a very short time. We know the reason I'm not going to go into it right now. The importance of giving people honor. Good. What did Rabbi Akiva do? He went to the south. I'll get back to that in a minute. The Ramah writes in Shulchan Aruch that this day of Lag Baumer he should have a little simha, as we do.
Why? Why on Lag Bahamer? So we have a Kabbalah, we have a tradition from the Geonim that on the 33rd of the Omer of that year, Pascha Hamita, which means they stopped dying. On the 33rd of the Omer. So that's why on that day, Marbim Bok Sat Simha. We have a little Simha because they stopped dying on the 33rd. Says the Pri Hadash, is this, a, is this a joke? What do you mean they stopped dying? Yesh le dagdek besimcha zolama. He said because they stopped dying. Ma bekach? He said, so what? Hare lo nisharu ehad mehem vekulam metu. You know, it's one thing if you have 48,000 students and 24,000 were dying and then they stopped dying on the 33rd and now you're left with 24,000, you're good. Even if you were left with one, it's good. They all died. Every single one died. How could that be a reason to celebrate? Because they stopped dying. That's not called stop dying. That's called they all died. There's nobody else left. What kind of celebration is that? That's the pre hadashs question. Ma bekach hare lo nisharu ehad mehem. Not one was left. Vekulam metu. How could that be a cause for celebration? It's a big question. Says the Pri Hadash. Look at the end of the Gemara. Let me tell you what we're really celebrating in Lag Because the Gemara says, What did Rabbi Akiva do? After, again, it's hard to understand. On, on, on many levels, imagine. First of all, just the physical depression that will be on a person, just from losing people that he knows. Kol and his students. How about spiritual depression? Could you imagine being more spiritually down? You just built a yeshiva. I don't know how long it took him to build a yeshiva for 24,000 students. Here's a man who started at 40. He was an Am Haaretz. He started at 40. He built himself and then built the yeshiva and built it up to 24,000 students. It must have taken a lot of kohot, a lot of energy to build what he built. And in 30 days, he has zero left, nothing. Not a student. And just imagine where his level of spiritual excitement is at that level, at that point. Says the Gemara, you know what he did? He went to the south of Israel. In other words, he couldn't find any more people. He had no more students. He went to the south and he found five students. One was Rabbi Meir Baalanes. One was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. One was Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yoseh, Rabbi Elazar ben Shalmor. These are five men who literally we talk about them every day. And he started the yeshiva again. Could you imagine starting a yeshiva again? Even if you had a thousand more students, you wouldn't start. And you're going to start with five? You just had 24,000. You're going to start with five? Who could start? 
says the pre hadash that's why we celebrate the Lagba Omer. Shehasimhahi al otam talmidim. Shehosif aharkach rabi akiva. Shalom metu kaelu. He started again. A man started again. After everything was against him. Says the Hida. Lohitya esh rabi akiva. He did not give up. And that's why they are minhagim alag ba'omer. They go to see Rabbi Meir Balanes in Teveria. He was one of the students, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in Miron, Rabbi Yehuda. This is a great moment in our history. From the ashes of destruction, Rabbi Akiva lived the words of Rabbi Tzadoka Kohen. En la Yehudi Yehush. There is nothing that can happen in your life after you hear this that should give you reason to put your head down. Nothing that you're going through or I'm going through should ever bring our energy down. If Rabbi Akiva could rebuild a 24,000 person yeshiva, start again with five, everybody could do the next step. And I'll finish off by telling you this. There's a question. You know, why should I believe in myself? There are many people today in the world that speak about believing in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And you can hire them and they'll come speak. And they'll make you crazy. They'll sing and dance and stand up and scream. And by the time you get out, you want to conquer the world. Believe in yourself. You could do it. You could do anything you want. There's no giving up. You can conquer it. After a half hour of that, you can literally walk up and start flying. But it generally doesn't last very long. For one simple reason. Because it's not true. Is it true really that I can do anything I want? If I really wanted to carry my house, can I really do it? Can I really carry my house? Could I? I, I really want to. I'm not giving up. I'm going to carry my house. Can I do it? No. I really want to fly. I really do. And I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I really want to fly so badly. You don't know the ratzon I have. I'm never giving up. So I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly. I'm going to get there. Am I really going to fly? No. So here's a guy coming in saying, listen, you could do it. Whatever you want, you could do it. It's within your reach. You could do it. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. If you believe, you could do it. So you get excited from the adrenaline. You get excited from the excitement. But then when you go home and say, it's, just, it's not true. What kind of is that? It's not true. Is it really true that if I believe in myself, I can do anything? I can get out of any situation? Who says? But in Judaism, there's a little spin on that. No, you cannot do anything just because you want. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is 
is that this world has a captain. And the captain is leading not only the world, but he's leading every person every day of their lives. And he's putting us every day in different situations and sometimes difficult situations. And the captain of this world knows exactly who we are and what we could handle. He knows how much we could lift and how much we can't. And if he put me in this situation, if he gave me this child, if he gave me this struggle, if he decided that this is something that I can handle, then I believe in myself. I don't really believe in myself. I believe that he believes in me. And if he believes in me, then I know I can do it. Because if I couldn't do it, he wouldn't put me in my situation. This is where our emunah comes from. There's two types of emunah. There's emunah in Hashem and there's emunah in me. That's what we say in Mizmor Shir Leyom HaShabbat. Lehagid baboker hazdecha. When good things, boker is light, boker is happiness, boker is success, boker is when things are rolling in our lives. Baruch Hashem, there's so many bokers for us, not only in the mornings, throughout our lives. When that happens, says David HaMelech, lehagid baboker hazdecha. I just say thank you, thank you, thank you. What can I do? What can I give you? I want to sing to you. I'm going to do, I'm going to help another person. I'm going to do another mitzvah. Le'agid baboker hastecha. Says David HaMelech, what about the lelot? What about the dark times in my life? What about those moments of struggle, ba lelot? What, what, what do I do then? There's, what am I going to say at that point? Ve'emunatecha. So simply translated, it means and my emunah, the emunah I have in you, takes me through the difficult times of my life. But really the word emunatecha doesn't mean that. It should, it should say, ve'emunati balilot. My emunah carries me through the difficult times. It's my emunah in you that I'm able to be strong. But that's not what it says. It says, Ve'emunatcha balilot. It says, Your emunah is what gives me the strength. What does that mean? Hashem's emunah. What does that mean? It means that you having emunah in Hashem doesn't help you in difficult times. Just because you believe in Hashem, it's not going to carry you. What will carry you is when you realize that Hashem believes in you. When I know that you, emunatcha, that you believe in me, and you put me in this situation, that's what gives me strength in the lelot. Lelot are not things that we ask for, but they're reality. They're part of life. And usually, they're the beginning of success. But you gotta have 
belief. You got to believe Hashem that believes in you. All this today was to bring out one point. A person who is Sameah has the ability to find the strength to believe and to stay hopeful and to keep going. But if a person lacks Simha, if a person is lacking happiness from within, it's very difficult to find the strength to raise our head high. When a person is lacking Simha, they can't find that hope. Simha is an ingredient that gives a person the ability to have the hope that they need to conquer and to reach high goals in life, in our lives. We should have to find Simha and all the strength that it gives us. Next week we'll start talking about how to get Simha.